these espresso episodes, I, I like to think of them as shots of kingdom caffeine. Short shots, tight, and they point something out and highlight something out in the kingdom for us. Today we're looking at a kingdom precedent, a pattern, if you will, in 2 Kings 13. Hey there, friends. Welcome to Jesus Smart, the podcast. Today is a special Jesus Espresso episode. You know, it says in the New Testament that these things were written, meaning the experiences of God's people and the things we see in the Old Testament. These things were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And we can also go to like Hebrews 11, and see a list there of Old Testament faith exploits set before us as models and examples of faith. It says, you know, that kingdoms were subdued from weakness. They were made strong. They put foreign armies to flight and talks about Abraham and Noah and a host of others. Well, these precedents and these kingdom patterns are ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ And let's go all the way with it, okay? Via Christ as head, Ephesians, Paul says that Christ has been given to us as head over all things to us, the people of God, the church. So these precedents and these patterns are fulfilled in Christ and in the headship of Christ and via that headship to the body, to us as maturing, developing apprentices of Christ and his kingdom. Make sense? Well, in 2 Kings chapter 13, we read this account of Elisha. You'll recall that Elisha was the uh, protege of Elijah, and now Elisha was dying. It says he was sick with the illness of which he would die. A leader of God's people comes to him, Joash, and says, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen, and he's referencing the enemies of the people of God who would be coming against the people of God. And Elisha says to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So imagine this in the theater of your mind, okay? He puts his hand on the bow and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And this is a picture of the prophetic or the prophetic energy of the kingdom coming upon the king and even upon us, as you will. The New Testament says that we are now kings and priests unto God. We are that royal priesthood. And the prophet said to Joash, open the east window, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. Elisha said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. So this is like a prophetic activity. Uh, This is a prophetic action, if you will, an activation of belief and a prophetic move that was made under the direction of God, under the energy of the prophetic. And it's pointing to something that's going to happen. And I think here that we need to see that, you know, my friend, we need to open our windows, if you will. Maybe there's a challenge, a need, or even an opportunity or a door that's before you. And we need to go into prayer under prophetic energy as we develop in that. Ask the Holy Spirit for it. Partner with Him and shoot prayer 
arrows through windows directed towards targets. What are the coordinates that you need to hit? What is that application in your family or your personal life? But let's go beyond that because I was praying with a group of people this past Tuesday evening and we were praying, Lord, help us to have the faith bandwidth, the belief bandwidth that extends beyond our own personal needs where we can also pray for the nations. We can pray for our own country and pray for the nations at large. We need to do both. Whether it's a geopolitical challenge or opportunity or it's something personal that comes right to your doorstep and right into your home and right into your family, right into your personal world, your personal life, open those windows and release arrows of faith that are targeted towards those coordinates. Notice the next step. The prophet then tells Joash, take the arrows So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and stopped. Those words at the end of verse 18 in 2 Kings 13, and stopped, are illustrative for us. And the man of God was angry with him. Why? Why was the man of God angry? He struck the ground. He struck the ground three times. But the man of God said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria until you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. That's verse 19. What is this? Why was the prophet angered? If we drop down to the end of chapter 13 and look at the very last verse, verse 25, it says there now, three times Joash defeated the enemies and recaptured the cities. There could have been more. It was an incomplete victory. The will of God was not fully completed. You know, there's this verse in the New Testament which says that we would stand fully assured in all the will of God. I want you to think of the will of God as like a progress bar on your screen. We want all of it. We want the full spectrum of God's pleasure and work released in our lives. It says in Philippians 2 that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We want all of God's pleasure in your life and through your life to the world at large, realized and experienced. And this is the message to us. Release those directional arrows of prayer and prophecy through windows, but also strike the ground. I want you to go all the way with it. I want myself to go all the way with it. I don't want to become casual or moderate in my prayer, in my faith. You know, the the old timers used to call it praying through. You keep praying and you feel a release. It breaks through like this membrane. We had a person in the prayer group Tuesday night share with us. I respect him. He's well studied. He's a pastor. He's well studied in the word of God. A lot of experience, a lot of passion for intercession and for the church and for the kingdom. And he said these old timers would would talk about praying through until they got to the shout. I guess in their times of prayer, they would pray They would pray through, and then they would come to a point of shouting in the Lord. And you know, in the Old Testament, this is another thing that we see, another pattern, another precedent, the shout of the Lord. The psalmist actually says that God has gone up or has ascended in the midst of the shout. What is that? God ascends triumphantly over your setting, over your context, through your shout of victory. 
But maybe we have to pray and pray prophetically until we get to the place of that shout. But we want to go for the full spectrum of God's will. We want all of his pleasure. That that mountain you're facing, there is God's pleasure on the other side of it as you experience your mountain move. That challenge that you're up against that you're going to press through, you know, the psalmist says, by my God, I can run against a troop. You will always feel like an underdog. We were talking about this Tuesday night. You know, the playing field is tilted in this world system against God's people. But is it really? When you're a child of God in Christ and you're resurrected in Christ and seated with Christ, the playing field may be tilted, but who really has the advantage? Even if numerically or in the natural, it looks like you're an underdog. And so we're going to strike the ground until we feel a release. And I just want you to grab this principle, grab this pattern, passionate faith. How bad do you want it and how much of it do you want? You know, I'll leave with this. Jesus was teaching about prayer in, I believe it's Luke chapter 11. And he uses this this story, this parable of this gentleman who's sleeping at night. And then a visitor comes like at midnight and he rises and he goes next door to his friend's house to get some bread to present to his visitor. The guy on the inside, the friend says, listen, I'm, I'm asleep. I'm in bed with my children. I can't get up and give you anything. But it says because of his unashamed, persisting asking, his friend gave up or, or got up. Well, he, he did give up in a sense. He got up and he gave him as much as he needed, as much as he needed. How much do you need? What is your desire? How bad do you want it? As you're receiving God's will and you want to see God's pleasure fully realized through your faith exercise, how passionate are you about it? Will you strike the ground enough in faith? That's the pattern. That's the precedent. Apply as needed. Rinse and wash and reapply. Rinse and wash and reapply through your life. Learn this kingdom skill. Build it into the, the fabric of your spirit. The, the, uh, build it into the substance of your inner man. This is the way you operate. Don't settle. No substitutes. This is something I learned from an author, and I will phrase this in prayer. Father, no substitutes, no settling, no setbacks, and no unwarranted delays. If the Lord is leading you through a sovereign delay to stretch your faith and to grow your faith, that's one thing. But if you're experiencing a delay that is demonic in nature, that's another. Francis Frangipan uses the wordplay for dragon, a type of Satan, drag on. He likes to drag on things. That we will not settle for delays. We have to discern the difference. All right. Passionate striking the ground. This is episode... 277. If you want to take this further, go to the show notes page for this episode for some links, some scriptures, some other insights related to this theme today at jesussmart.com slash 277. Kingdom shot of caffeine. I appreciate you. And let's do exploits for the Lord. Let's run together. I'll catch you next time.